welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. One of the things I wonder about as a teacher is how do I get kids to do this stuff? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like. Hey guys, want to recreate the uh, Ghostbusters commercial? And they're like really excited, but then they don't come off as excited. Like Kev, like ever wonder about that? Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kev. I, I love sleepy kid. All right, everybody. Um, the door's open today because it's it's springtime outside. Welcome back. My name is CJ Reynolds, and this is our show, Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Um, and we were off last week for Easter, and now we're back again this week, and uh feels good. And so we are, we're figuring some things out with this, with this show going forward. And I have some ideas to share today, but before I get into that, before I get into anything, before I even talk about what this is, I really just want to take a moment. I don't, I don't always have the time. Like I, there's more things I have to do than, than I have time for. And this, so I was on spring break, so I took some time off. So I wasn't really like talking to anyone. And then, um, I got the COVID vaccine and uh, I thought I was getting like the two shot deal. We both went on the same day. And then you get there and they hand you this little card and says Johnson and Johnson. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm like that's the that's the one shot deal right there. So then I kind of like had a mild panic attack because I was like, I like literally left to go get the shot and like had a dozen things that were started outside of my house. I was like making bubble microphones. In the afternoon at like four. So we had like, yeah, a yeah. whole day of like. Kind of in the middle I thought of the you said we got up late at like no. four. I was like, yo, what? <laughs> um, so never in my life. So we were like doing stuff in the garden, doing stuff in the house, getting things cleaned up, working through stuff, trying to enjoy spring break. And I was like, oh no, I got to like, like go home and hustle before this stuff like hits me. And it never really, like I never really, really got hit, but I got, I was just tired. I'm still tired today. But like, um, anyway, all that to say, I have like, I, I, Maybe this is in my head, but I just feel neglectful of certain people. And I just want to thank everyone that helps us do this show. Um, everyone from Laura Green to Maisha to Chris uh, Tracy. to Tracy to Pete, who's not even here this week. Because Pete's with his family. Uh, no. Um, and so I just appreciate, like, the Edies of the world and the Jakes of the world. Like, I thank you so much for, for helping with this. I just – it's never lost on me, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that we started there. So then we'll go into this gang. It's the end of the school year in the U S area anyway. Right. So like, I know, uh, Southern hemisphere is like, is kind of flipped in some ways. Um, but thinking about this last, like, however many weeks, like our progress reports for the last trimester are due at the end of this upcoming week. That means we're halfway through the last part of the year. Um, that's crazy. So how are we working with students in that time, making the most of that time um, and not going in the summer break, like completely destroyed. Cause then you got to build it back up out of that. And that's no fun. So it's like, how do we like, how are we thriving and surviving through that end of this year? That's what we're talking about. Um, so if you have a question, the whole idea of this thing is to create a safe space for people, for educators, to grow into and be the educators that they are called to be. Um, so you can leave questions in the chat. You can also follow the link below in the description box and you can um, take that to a place where you can ask your question and you can pop on with me and uh, 
and ask questions in person if you want to. That's the whole idea here. Um, anything else you're kind of thinking of at the moment? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we can tell people, but yeah. cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. Um, can I talk about seasons real sure. quick? So we are, we've decided that to take this show, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to jump right into the questions. Take this show and put it in seasons that go sort of along with the school calendar. So we're going to do continue doing Sunday Night Teacher Talk until the end of May, last Sunday of May. And then we're going to take off for June and come back after 4th of July when like folks, especially like in the Midwest and the South, the Northeast, we go back to school a little bit later. Um, we'll start, we'll kick it off again then in July. So then like, and we'll build that around like winter breaks and spring breaks and that kind of thing. So that we're actually following um, where people are and we're kind of like just trying to be mindful of like what people need and when they need it. Um, so that, energy is being funneled into things that people need. That's it. All right. Are you Sounds ready? Good. I'm ready. You ready for the first question? I'm ready. Comes from Allison Adams. I'm in a small public school in Indiana with a small percentage of black and brown students. All of the teachers are white. What are the best resources to use to start teacher discussion or study groups? I'm on a startup committee to launch this real need. Teacher discussion groups. I think about Obviously around race? race yeah um i can't find it in Streamyard to pop it up okay so allison i'd say if we're i mean so let's talk about race and let's talk about things in in general right so because i think there's a lot of there's a lot of like heavy topics that can be discussed with regards to race i i would say um i think making it a part of the conversation regular so gosh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take it to the real world that's where i'm going real quick um we so the for those of you that are old enough to remember mtv had a show called the real world um it might still be on i have no idea i haven't watched it since like the first season but like in 1992 this show came out and they pre they recently just had like the 30th anniversary right so i watched it for like i was like let's put this on for five minutes see what everybody looks like now right that's literally all i wanted to do what does everybody look like now nosy and it made it was first of all it just took me back to like 1992 it was crazy and then they very quickly got onto this conversation of race and so if you've watched the show you know that there was this guy that was sort of pitted as the angry black guy back in the day and he was having this conversation with these white women and you know one of the things that came out of this this recent uh set of episodes the reunion was folks being unwilling to have those conversations because they think that they know about race. They think like white folks that think they understand privilege, that think that they understand, um, you know, the, the place that they, they come from when in fact they don't. I think in having the conversations, it's really important to know where people are starting from so that you can meet them where they are. So like there was a moment in the show where they, there was this conversation about race with uh i can't remember everyone's name because i'm just bad at that stuff but like is it david i forget whatever it's not important um there was a a black man and a white woman having this conversation and she the woman just refused to like understand that she knew what that she didn't what, know like that she didn't know like that she was privileged or that or like where she came from and so you know i think that that can, it's a jarring moment for folks, but it's about figuring out where they are so you can help them to get to where 
they could be right and talking about things like there's a difference between not being racist and being anti-racist there's all this stuff to talk about so i think one of the places i would start is we actually had a really good conversation it's worth checking out um when black lives matter was in like full swing last year i wasn't really sure kind of what what my what my platform was or what i should do so what we did was we had a number of individuals come on and there were six or seven of us that uh that are like kind of like in influencers on some platform um everyone's in education everyone's in the classroom and we had this mixed like as diverse of a crew as i could kind of get together quickly uh and we had a conversation about this about have talking about race i think it's also interesting in talking to teachers about it if you talk to because teachers won't always do things for teachers or like they won't always like enter into conversations so that they can grow but if you are talking about how students can grow and change and look at things and how can we implement these things into the curriculum. I think teachers are more apt to do that. And then you can start having those conversations with educators about students, but educators are the ones that are really learning. I think that's another good way. And then I think just making it a part of the common conversation. It's not a season, right? Like dealing with racism, dealing with white privilege, dealing with um, being culturally like, like things like cultural appropriation or dealing with things like um, having a curriculum that students can see themselves in. So it's, it's this mixed curriculum. So all kids feel seen, heard and loved. I think that that is an, it is it, an ongoing conversation. It's not a seasonal conversation. It's not, Oh, black lives matter is happening or happened or, or whatever. Like, it's not like a bunch of, you know, Korean women were killed and, so we talked about this that week. That's how the news flows. But what we need to do is look at this as a systemic issue that we're going to embed in our curriculum going forward, right? And I think we can do that with a lot of things. So whatever that is for you at the moment, um, whatever you feel like is on your heart and on your mind to, to push forward, it's, it is looking at things like race. It's looking at things like um, gender equality. It's looking at things like, you know, whatever, whatever things are kind of prevalent in your school. Maybe that's LGBTQ community stuff. Maybe that's, um, maybe that's, I, I, you know, there's a, a million, there's she's a million a topics, I right? Can tell you. So she says, let me add, we had a lot of racist comments directed to our small percentage of black and brown students and it's become a real problem. So I think that so comes down to, how, I, here's, here's, I can't, this is my guess is, is part of this issue teachers that are white when dealing with racism often don't know what to do right they just aren't sure what to do so instead of being wrong instead of trying something and looking foolish or looking like they said or did the wrong thing they say nothing at all they do nothing at all it's like well that was awkward but it's kind of part of high school you get teased you get bullied shit happened like it's putting it's it's stopping that and and doing something right so I'm trying to think of like how much I should share without putting people out there. Um, all right. No, no, no. I'm just thinking of what happened yesterday. Right. It's like, I, I think what happened yesterday around the block from us. Oh, yeah, right. I think that's pretty Okay. Sure. So like there is, there's a, there's a, there's a guy that lives behind me that is wildly racist. I mean, just stands on his front porch and like yells racist, racial slurs at people that are walking by, right. People of color. Um, I have had conversations with him. I have 
gone around the corner. My wife has yelled at him across the yard. Like, like, <laughs> like we don't have big yards here. It's we're in the city. I don't want to hear that stuff. The dude that lives next to him. And so I've gone around any number of times and I've heard things that are happening. So th I'm just giving this as an example of like, I'm not even sure that this is the best I could do, but it's something that I did. And I'm using myself as an example. So I don't have to use other people as an example, put them on blast on the internet. I'm um, not congratulating myself because I think I could have done better. But it's a new guy that moved over, bought a house, rehabbed it, Hispanic gentleman. Um, and I hear the, my crazy neighbor like yelling uh, all this stuff. I see this dude in the yard and I'm like, is there some sort of altercation? So I like walk around the block. No one's outside anymore. They both went inside. And then I was in my yard doing gardening. I heard it again. I was like, bro, what is going on? I'm like, I need to just go over and talk to the new guy and just let him know, first of all, where Crazy Pants lives and how he rolls, but also where I live and how I roll. Um, and so I went around and the cops were there. It was this whole incident that happened. And so I just pulled the guy aside at the end and I said, look, man, this is what this dude does. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's okay. But just know this is what goes down. This isn't a one-off thing. This is a thing that happens often. Um, but I live behind you in that house right there. And I don't condone this sort of thing. Um, as a matter of fact, I try I try very diligently to work against it. If you ever need anything, like I know you're like a grown-ass man and stuff. Like, you know, and you look like you could probably handle yourself better and some sort of altercation than I could. But like, just know that this is where I live and this is what I do and this is what I believe. And, you know, I think that in that moment, here's what, here's what I think. It's your attention over your advice, right? Again, it's just showing someone that you care. It's an expression of care and it's letting people know that you're there. It's, it's finding those students that, that are, that are dealing with those situations um, and letting them know that you care, letting them know what you stand for, letting them know that you are actively working against this, that you're trying to start discussion groups in your school amongst the teachers and amongst the students. Like you, there's some work being done there. I think what that does is it takes someone from feeling like no one cares because everything's being done in quiet and in the shadows and you're trying to figure this out, but letting someone know we don't stand for this. As a matter of fact, we stand for the opposite. We care about you deeply and how can we help you in, in this moment? And then asking kids those things or, or, and if they say nothing, if they say they can't, you can't do anything. It's like just letting them know that you're there. I, that was a lot to say, but I just feel like it was important. Yeah, it's not an e there's not a straightforward easy answer. And there's, there's not a gray area that we're unaware of and all that. That's that's the hard part about. But it's also like it's it's just doing something. It's mm. looking for books, it's looking for resources, it's reading things, it's Learning. it's trying to incorporate like tear down stereotypes by incorporating things into your curriculum into your conversations about, you know, about a lot of these matters and I think that when we do that, we are actively fighting against a lot of these systematic injustices that exist by creating space to to work that stuff yeah, out. Absolutely. And so, yeah. All right, uh, Mr. J is next. He's waiting for you to. I'm waiting for a minute. Um, here we go. What's up, man? How are you? You're muted. Up, oh, you're muted upon entry. It's like. Uh, oh, can we unmute him? Mine. It's fine. Microphone messed up. I unmuted him. Uh, so, sorry. I feel, like I feel like a kid in a virtual class. Right? <laughs> it, well, you know, then your mom would ask you to help with the groceries or the dog would have to go. Yeah, there's a and the camera would be turned off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. So I've got a question. I've got some seniors who are uh, in culinary three. You know, I'm a culinary teacher. Yeah. Uh, in culinary three, and I am their third, I believe I'm their third culinary teacher. Um, they're checked out 
there's a handful of them that are just checked out. They, you know, I, they're definitely not going into culinary. So I don't think they were inspired before, but what can I do to like try to reel them back in with only like five or six weeks left in the school year? Yeah. So what are their dreams? Do you know, have any idea like what they're trying I don't to think, Yeah, I don't think they have any dreams. Okay. Honestly, I don't think they're going to college. I don't think, you know. Yeah. What were you saying? Teach them to cook, man. Like they got to live on their own eventually at some point. <laughs> I just think I like know. Basic, simple meals. They're not interested in like learning even that, like some top ramen, how to spice up that top ramen. You just took my example. You took I my did. example that we talked about <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Well, I, I try to bring them every every day. Well, four days a week, we have labs. So we go in the kitchen four days a week. Um, I say, come on, let's go. It's time to go in the kitchen. You know, um, this is what we're doing today. Come on, let's go in the kitchen. And they sit there on their phones. You know, they just pull their phone out and just sit there. And I have to come back in and go, aren't you going to come in and learn something? You know, don't you want to cook something and eat? Yeah. And, the and they still don't. So or they slowly, sometimes they'll slowly say, okay, I guess I'll come in there. Yeah. Cause it's just not interesting. Or, 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 or I think a lot they of haven't folks, had a need to feed themselves no, yet. <laughs> but I think maybe that's part of it. But I think the bigger thing here is like, I see a lot of seniors that like when they get to this point in the year and there's no hope on the horizon and that, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, like, when other kids have plans, when they're planning to go to college or move out or even get even get like a job, like they're going to be a truck driver or something. And they can do it like right out of high school or go to the military, whatever it is. They have something coming up. And when you have students that don't have anything coming up, it's like, well, they don't like, of course, there's no motivation there. Right. It's like it's almost like a like low level of depression or something, because you're just whether they know what that is or not. It is this right. space of like. I got nothing to hope. Well, I don't care about cooking. I'm not even doing anything after this. I'll be getting a job at like Walmart stocking shelves on the weekends or something like that. Like, and I, I don't think students, I think high school sneaks up on them. I think graduation sneaks up on them, even though we tell them like, bro, this is going to be over in a hot minute. Like, you know, plan accordingly to students. That seems like forever. Hmm. So one of the things I've done in the past is like, just don't, I'll like, I'm, I, so this would be different. See if you get down with the spirit of this, because I, because I'm not in your classroom, so I'm not sure exactly how I would do it, but maybe something along the lines of like, look, why don't we just talk about like, well, what's after high school? Like, what do you guys want to do? You know, and don't make it, it doesn't have to be teachery. It's like, well, what, like if anything, like, are you going to get a job? Are you working for your uncle? Are you going to cut hair? Like, what are you going to do? And then I find that sometimes doing that helps you to figure out how, what you're doing right now is bigger than what you're doing. It's not just learning to cook. It's not just culinary class. It's not just, you know, whatever it is that you're making. There's a bigger lesson here. How do I connect that bigger lesson to what you're going to be doing next, whatever that is, right? So do you want to just work at Walmart your whole life, bro? Like, and make, you know, minimum wage? Do you want to just like, or do you have aspirations to do something else? Because that can start now. And why don't we just talk about that? Why don't we just, and then like, maybe, like a part of me is just thinking, depending on how big the class is, like maybe you're just cooking while you're talking to kids about real life stuff and feeding them or being like, yo, can you pass this? Or yo, real quick in the middle of what you're saying, check this out. If I do this, it has like, um, we're, our minds are blown right now. We got, we're doing hello fresh where they send you like this kind of meal in a bag thing. You right. buy it. And 
the simple ways I've that like so many simple little tips and tricks that you're that like, like oh, you took like God. your baked chicken from like a five to like a 12 and you're like this is like the greatest thing i've ever had in my life because of lemon zest is like the most magical ingredient i've ever learned about in my life and chives but it's these chives. little things so you're like cooking and doing stuff with kids and it's like hold on a second right right when you're talking about that yo next time you make chicken or next time you do this try this real quick okay go back into what you're doing so you're kind of it's kind of becomes this thing of like when you think about cooking and you think about why we eat together right we have meal time it's like this shared activity of of so many other things that aren't just about cooking and then to my wife's point i was saying like what about like real easy ways like let's let's do a week of like the greatest top ramen that you ever had these things are six for a dollar to food store how can we like next level your top ramen experience uh, like what can we anything like that that would there's be a, like there's a lot of great ideas in the comments a few people i'm just going to read out someone said uh have them bring in their favorite recipe someone else said um what do they like to eat kind of focus around that um someone else said play chopped or top chef and someone else said um like have them like um make a recipe up kind of like what's your like a contest like a between like i guess everybody makes a thing and then see how it comes out there is a lot of great comments. yeah those are fun and i think you know the, the other thing that coupled with um helping kids figure out what they're going to do next right like i especially for seniors especially seniors they're done with school like yeah. they want life and they're ready to like but they don't even know what life. that means no right they don't now. agree right. so with giving them a trusted advisor to have those conversations with i think teachers think those things are happening in kids lives and they're just not they're just like yeah. their parents don't talk to them like that their friends are all in the same boat as them you know like um, you know, and I've I've had conversations with them about this. Uh, a couple of them are doing are doing construction on the side. Yeah. Uh, one of them is not doing anything. Another kid is doing um, uh, one of the deli food delivery services. Yeah. You know, and he's making he says he's making a lot of money. So, you know, he's cool with that. Um, you know, and I have them. I've, I've tried to bring them in the kitchen and say just the other day, the four of them, I brought them in the kitchen and um, I said, here, you're going to take this bottom round. You know, I gave him some steak and we're going to make a, a really cool marinade for it. And you guys are going to grill it. Right. This is going to be this is what you're doing. They come early. So lunch is right before their class. So yeah. we have some extra time and they come in there during lunch. So I said, come on back here. Let's let's go do this. And then, you know, they make the steak. They eat it. They don't clean up after themselves. I say they go right back out there on their phones as soon as they're done. It's like they they jump into it, but then they jump right back out. Yeah. Like nothing really inspires them, you know, a small attention span. Also, I mean, I see that with my own kids, like getting them to because since we homeschool, like right. Math is is cooking. If I try and get them to cook like anything, it's like pulling teeth. And then they're like halfway done. I go, yeah, but the job's not done because you all left. Like we still have to clean up now. This is part of the it's all part of it. They, I think some of that's just kids. I think, I think some, like some of it is and it's the time of year and it's covid and it's i can guilt one since they're stuff. my own to get but <laughs> yeah but i think I, any of those ideas that they said and, and then that having real conversations like bro cool you're you're making money delivering food that's awesome um what do you dream about in your life what do you want to have like what's your dream life look like like and i'm not talking about like i'm flying helicopters all over the place if that's not really what you want but do you want to be able to take care of your mom do you want to be able to do you want a pool do you want to go on vacation every year do you want to like how big's your house? Like, like, 
What are you doing for your community? When kids, when you do that with kids and then you price those things out, it becomes very apparent to kids that delivering food for, you know, whatever company is, is like DoorDash isn't going to do it, right? You're not right. going to be like afford this lifestyle that you want. So let's think about that. Why do you like delivering food? Is it just because you're making money or what would you do if you could do anything? Um, and then reverse engineering that with kids, I think opens their eyes to like, oh, okay. Like I do have to make more than $25,000 a year to like afford a life that I'd want. My life, my ultimate life costs $75,000 a year. How can I get there? What can I do that I would love doing that? And I think that those are just conversations you know, I have. I have not had that conversation, that dream conversation with those four yet. And that's probably where I'm going to start tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to start right there. It's a fun one. You got to push them though. Cause they're going to be like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just want to have like a big house. Well, how big? Like five bedrooms? Like how many bathrooms do you want to have? Do you want to have a, like that kind of stuff? It's like getting real specific because I think that's what gets kids excited. Um, and then it's like, bro, look, let me just tell you even, that's not even out of the realm of possibility. Like you can, mm -hmm. you can do it. Let's, I'm going to show you how. So yeah. Well, look, man. Right. Cool feedback. Thank you. Yeah. I'd love to know how it turns out. All right. I'll let you know. Cool. All right, Jay. Thanks so much, man. Thanks. Um, Stephanie Shook. What's up, Stephanie? How are you? What's up? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we are finishing our spring break now. Um, and for once, I actually did not do work during spring break. <laughs> so, uh, it is so hard. It's so hard. Um, so my question today, um, since we're looking forward to summertime, is um, summer school for middle school is held at my at my school this year should i apply even though this was my first year and then what sort of things should i look forward to if that's the case i know i know that this year's a, a crazy year it's not the same as it normally is but what can i look forward to and then you know should i <laughs> yeah no i think i taught summer school for years um, cause I, otherwise it meant I had to have a job, like working at like home Depot or doing construction in the summer, long, like just like labor jobs. And, like what else can you do for education? It's not like your, your skill set like lends itself to anything else. So it's, um, for me, I liked doing that. I felt like it was easier because it was kids that like just had like their balloon was popped. They thought they were going to pass for the year. They didn't think they were going to have to do this. And now they do. And you get to go, okay, look. Let's be real. Here's where we are. We're at the bottom. Here's how we're going to grow out of this. And then I, I think that doing that, usually I find that schools are like a lot more scripted in the summer, but you don't have to be like, you can figure out other alternatives to like supplement. Like I, I did really just kind of fun stuff. Right. So we would watch, um, we would watch movies as part of what we were doing in summer school. I'd watch a lot of movies that were like, um, subtitled. So I see your, your character. I forget his name over your left shoulder, the gray dude with the white belly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we used to watch spirited away in the summer and then like break down all these literary elements about it and talk about things in there that were part of literature, but then the kids had to read it. And when they really realized that they liked the movie, they began reading it. Um, so it was like, what's the difference? Like I, it's going to be cool to read a book or an article so like why don't we do this instead um so that's what i would absolutely apply for and it's not your whole summer then either um and they usually pay you better for summer school than you're going to make working at like you know 
waitressing the, for the weekend. Right. So is it is it a faster pace in terms of you still have to cover the entire year in that summer school period? Ours is usually credit recovery. So it's like um, mini lessons that are trying to help kids to not cover all the material, but learn like some of the main principles that will help them. So like for literature one, what do you need to know to be in literature two? Right. Like let's let's try and figure that out. And then the kids still have a mountain to climb next year because they go back and they're already, they're still below. Um, but part of it is part of, I think part of the idea behind summer school is um, retention. It's like, it's not, it's not, you're not backsliding because you didn't read all summer. You didn't write all summer. You didn't do stuff all summer. So you are, you're still moving those muscles so that you're ready when September comes to go back into the classroom. What did you say? Okay. Oh, uh, I don't read really how okay. but I like it. Sentences. Oh, uh, so with regards to the to the family thing, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. So, so I've got three kids. Um, they are currently in sixth, eighth, and twelfth grade. So my oldest is going to college all the way in California. I'm in Virginia Beach, by the way, literally across the country. Um, and this, so this is his last summer home. And so that's why I'm like, okay, do I want to do this? Or do I want to take my first and last summer with him? You know, balancing. I'm going to say, if you can afford it, I would, I would spend time with my kids. I think that, and you know, and look, I mean, he's I knew that was going to change your right? answer like, just because yeah. CJ counts summers with his children. Right. So like for ours, he's like, oh, he's going to be 14. Brody's going to be 14. Like, so I have, summers do I, have I have four summers left. Right. Yeah. So like I'm taking time this summer and my 11 year old and I are going to drive cross country. And so I could work. There's a hundred things I could do instead of that. But I just know that I'm not getting that time back. And I really try to be mindful of that, that at the same time, though, um, when you're 18, I mean, like, I don't know how much you're hanging out with your family. Like, it's like, are your friends out on the weekends? Are they doing stuff? Are you working? Like, I remember never being home when I was 18. So that is worth taking into account too like is your son it's your son right who's the oldest so is he someone that's going to be around a lot and it's like or you're just gonna be sitting at home like uh now i have nothing to do oh we're we're (laughs) hanging this summer like so it's it's i think it's both end like it's about communicating that with him too okay cool i appreciate you answering thank you look that's exciting i think that it's awesome so uh my best to you and, and i'd love to know how that works out too i'll keep you posted all right, Steph. Thanks. Peace. What do we got, wife? All right, our next question is coming from uh, Dale Classroom. My buddy. Oh, shoot, there's two parts that I didn't say. Okay. Uh, he's asking, I always get pushback from family about continuing to be a teacher. I'm 25. They always bring up, what if something happens in 10 years and you become the only income? Is there something I'm missing about being an adult that teaching won't properly support? Um, well, I mean, if you... I mean, education does not pay a lot. So I can see where that would be. I could not, I, so let me, I'm going to break it down like this. This is something I've not, I've rarely even talked about in my life. I live in the neighborhood that I live in because it is a low income neighborhood um, that we just felt, we felt like it was a neighborhood that could use good neighbors. So our friends all decided to move to the same neighborhood. There were three families, but we did that to, to live intentionally together, like in an intentional community, um, all part of the same church, all like, like 
integrated into the into the neighborhood like we like became part of the neighborhood and stuff um that we've quickly realized that like even though we live in a house it's i live in a row home i have a very small yard my living expenses were very low like i lived on a very low income on purpose um so that i could do the work that i do as a teacher as well but even as my kids have gotten older i realized that it's just not sustainable like it's just like i I make more money than a lot of people do as a teacher, just because I've just by virtue of having done it a lot longer than like been doing it for 15 years where I teach in Philadelphia pays like a decent amount. Like, like if folks knew like what I made a year, it's like, wow, that's pretty good. Um, it's not sustainable because I have, you know, things happen in life. Like I have like my dog costs me $300 a month because he has allergies, but I love him. So I take care of him. My son has very specific learning needs, right? Where in the in the very near future, next year, the year after that, I'm gonna have to start paying for private school or for private tutors to be able to help my son with, get the education that he deserves. Um, there's just stuff that happens and life is just expensive. And if I wanna eat well, right? Like if I don't wanna eat like garbage, um, like I have to, like that takes money. So there is, it, it is it is more than my salary as a teacher can afford. Right. Which is where a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, like comes from, like it is it is being a blessing to people. It's being an answer to prayer. It's helping teachers be the teachers are called to be. But it's also to create income for our family in a way that we feel good about. So that is something that is real. But, you know, I'll say that when we were doing this and my wife was also working, not exactly full time, you were. Yeah, I, I part time, suppose... little more than part, little more than like not quite part time, somewhere in between. About thirty two hours. Yeah, we were we were able to to live on that, but you can't live great. Like we weren't doing vacations and stuff. Like it was, it's still a struggle. So some of it depends on where you teach. Some of it depends on whether or not your spouse has where you, you know live, another job. Come, but, yeah, like... like how much it costs to live where you live. Like I know, you know. When I when we go to New Mexico and I find out like what house work costs there, I'm like, what? Or car insurance, any other place. Like you know, yeah. the amount of money we pay in just car insurance for New Jersey, and then we live. Our neighborhood doesn't have driveways, so we pay an extra amount of money because all we have is street parking. So we get hit. Like yeah. there's like all New Jersey is full of like red yeah. tape and things that cost extra money, just like potentially California yeah. is. So we so, we've lived a very humble life so far um doing this work and but like it's hard to live as a head of a household in a single income with a family as a teacher i think it needs a dual income um or you I find other ways to supplement to that. your yeah. income right like i just think that there's a million ways to supplement your income right like you know i i just think that you could tutor but if i tutored i'd tutor and i'd be a hundred dollars an hour like i just think that i'm i think i'd help your kid that much i'd believe in myself that much and then someone's going to pay it. And then like, you know, or, or finding other ways to like work with companies online, like you're tutoring online or doing something school-based online or creating teach, uh, teacher pay teachers products, or like do, you're doing something with the stuff that you already have so that you're not, you know, I, I think that it, that creates a disproportionate income. So you're not trading your, your hours for income. I'm not working four hours at you know, at a restaurant waiting tables and then hoping I come home with a hundred dollars at the end of the night or, or $50 or whatever your, your described income is. Um, I, I think that it's, 
it, I, I look, here's, here's the bottom line, bro. I think it comes right down to same thing I was talking to rummage about figuring out what you want your life to look like, what this, what experiences you want to have, how much you want to go away, what you want for your children, how, what kind of cars you want to drive, what kind of house you want to live in, like how much you want to be able to help your parents, like all of that stuff. And then figuring out what that price point is and seeing if teaching matches that. And when it doesn't, what can you do to make up the difference? I think that's the conversation that you start having with yourself. Okay, Manoak is next. And they're asking, or she's asking, he, I'm sorry, I don't, I think it's she. You say, this is a I, Every common, single time. Just ask. I know. <laughs> I need to like just hang out with this person so I can get all my questions answered. Uh, anyway, uh, question. I've started a, a, what? a project. A project. Project. I've started a project to be be diagnosed with ADD. I'm not sure how to tell my students because I do think being open about it, if I am diagnosed, will give a positive signal to students. Oh, I'm interested in adult. What's an adult ADD test look like? I've never seen that. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Anyway. Uh, I tell my students all that stuff. Uh, I think that's interesting. I think that in telling my students that, you know, I deal with things like dyslexia on some level with ADHD on some level with anger management stuff on some level with, um, you know, whether like in times of my life, like, uh, depression on some level, it's not something I'm broadcasting. It's not like, Hey guys, listen, everyone I want you to know, uh, getting a divorce, right. It's not happening. I'm not getting, divorced. um, I'm getting a divorce and I just want everyone to know there's gonna be a lot of life changes for me. So things might get messy around here in the next few months. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is show kids at at opportune moments. It's not it's not like a like an announcement at opportune moments that I struggle with things also. And even though I struggle with things, this is who I've become. And I want what I've become. Like I, I want to be proud of my life, and I and I I am I'm extremely proud of where, where my life has gone and the things that I get to do is is like never ever lost on me. I'm incredibly grateful. Are you laughing at my great No, friends? I'm laughing that she said that that's a, uh, what did she say that that was, that word? Oh, dang it, I lost the comment. Oh, a Dutch word. She goes, sorry, that was such a Dutch word. Oh, that I couldn't... project, is it a real word? I guess. I oh, all right, like, I thought it was I don't... All right, <laughs> makes sense now, all right. So, um, sorry. but when things come up, it's like when kids have a hard time reading, I go, look, man, I had a hard time reading growing up too. Like I have dyslexia and I have ADHD and it's hard for me to just focus on one thing. And um, but here's how I work with that. I think that what it's doing is empowering students because you're being vulnerable and showing that you're not perfect and not, not just perfect people, sounds of the city, not just perfect people do well in this life. But as a matter of fact, um, there's a lot of different types of people dealing with a lot of different types of things and then they're still winning and you can too. And I think that that's what it comes down to. I want to go to, I'm going to go to Holland makes me think of Harmon. We had a friend oh, yeah. when I taught in Africa, my wife and I were living in Zambia and we met this guy Harmon, um, who just wore orange all the time. And he liked to wear those wooden shoes because he just thought it was funny. And he was fantastic. He was awesome. He's dude. one of those people. I'm like, where'd you go in the world? Where are you? He's a kid now. I found him on he Facebook. Does? Yeah. He's like married well, and stuff. Well, can't read anything because it's all. Oh, I don't know. What, what's yeah. I mean, it might just be a kid he saw at the park. Stop I don't it. know. That would be weird <laughs> if he took a picture with some random kid. Oh, Bubba, the Bubba the Reader is next, and I can't find his comment, but I'll ask the question. He is asking, I am only the ELA, I'm the only ELA teacher at a historically underachieving school. Next year, I will be the first ELA teacher to teach AP in the school. 
I'm nervous about the increased rigor. Any tips? I think when it comes to rigor, when it comes to getting kids to do things that they don't think they can do, it's always about, I mean, I use this term all the time that Tim Ferriss talks about. It's always about rigging the game to win. It's always about helping students see like that, what that means. Like, so look, I, I was, I showed this Ted talk to my students the other day. If I can find it, I'll put it in the comments and I'll pin it. Um, it there was a Ted talk that I saw this gentleman who talked about how he made um, small incremental changes in his life and how it led to this huge change. He said like growing up, he was a C minus student. So, cause he had a really hard time paying attention. He couldn't sit down for more than five to 10 minutes and do anything. So instead of just sitting down and studying for two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it was, he would go home. And when he did homework, he would do it for five or 10 minutes. He would do something. Then he would take a break. He'd go play video games, play basketball for a little bit, like play video game or uh, draw or something like that. And then he would go back to um, an assignment, not necessarily the same subject, not necessarily the same assignment for five to 10 minutes and then work on that one. And what that did was it took this big giant task. It broke it down into smaller, tiny pieces that were more manageable that he could do. And he said over time, what he did was he found out how to make marginal differences to grow and to change and to do better. Um, and so the way he talks about it, he like breaks it down that it's like, you can do this with everything, right? That it's not about taking just AP and here's all the stuff we're going to do this year. And it's going to be really hard. And you're going to have to have a lot more, you know, a, a lot more get up and go. And you're, and there's no time for slacking. It's like that, that all that nonsense that teachers do at the beginning of the year. It's like, no, we can do this. We're going to read five to six novels this year. We're going to read 10 novels this year. You're going to read all these novels on your stuff. We're going to do all this stuff, but I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to break it down and find success. And I think that's what it's going to take potentially is you breaking down how students will find success that don't look at it as I have to read all of this. What does that actually look like? Like, how can I get to that place? So when we do vocab, for instance, in class, I tell the students for this book, we're going to learn this many vocab words, but then we only do five a week, right? So it's like, if, if I tell you, we're going to do 60, 50, 30 vocab words, that's too overwhelming. If I go, bro, can you learn five? And if, and even if that feels overwhelming, it's one a day. Do you think you could learn one word a day? So if I actually tell you to study for this week's vocab test, if you studied um, the words for two minutes, flip your phone over, put a timer on and pay attention to nothing else for just two minutes. You're not watching TV. You're not listening to music. You're not on your phone. You're not answering social media stuff. None of that stuff. You're not in a room where people are playing video games. You're distracted. Two minutes. That's it. That's all I want you to study for. After two minutes, I want you to take note cards or Quizlet or whatever you're using to, to study, to, to sort of memorize the words so that we can memorize them first so that we can use them later. Um, after two minutes, I want you to, to test yourself. Put the words you know on one side, the words you don't know on the other side, right? So now it's not all the words. Maybe there's two words left. Maybe there's three words left. Can you study for one more minute and then let me know where you are? If you did that for, that's that's four minutes. That's three minutes of actual study time. That's it, three minutes. If you did three minutes every day, I guarantee you by the end of the week, you know those five words. And then if you know those five words, the next week you can learn the next five words. So the next week it's last week's words and this week's words. If you just do that practice of three minutes a day, like 
you can you can do it. But it's that sort of systematic breaking down for students so that they see that they can achieve something. Um, and then once they build that momentum of achieving things, then they can, I think they can get a sense of like, well, what else could I do? Like, what else am I capable of now? I think that that's a really fun place to be. What you got, buddy? Chris F. Um, is asking, word around my campus is that the administration is looking to cut between 14 and 20 teachers at the end of the year. I trust my work is valued and I do my job well, but what should my next step be? I would ask if I'm going to get cut. I just ask flat out about that stuff, man. Like, <laughs> like, do I have a job? There have been years. They're not going to tell you yet. Why would they tell you no? Like before they, they're not going to, I don't know. Do you really think they're going to be Should honest? I? Yeah, but I think putting them on notice. Like, look, you know, like, what do I need to be doing right now? Because trying to find a job, if you're going to find a job for next year, like now's the time. Like you're actually like a little bit maybe even behind. Because most schools already came out with contracts. Like, we still don't have contracts for next year. I know. From my, crazy. We're supposed to get them this week. If you're supposed to get them tomorrow, I think. But, like, if you had to start finding a job dun, now. Dun, dun. I know, man. I know. <laughs> if there was a year that I'm not sure, it's this year. So, um, it's like, what are we doing um, to help teachers? And so, you're not asking and, like, putting them on blast. Mm -hmm. You're asking and saying, like, hey, look, I'm just trying to figure things out for next year. I really want to be here. So I think it's communicating that too. Like, look, I, I want to be here. I have these dreams and ambitions and goals for my students for next year and beyond. I'm trying to get to this place and do all this stuff. And I'm thinking about all these things. It's like, so what you're doing there is showing that like, one, I want to be here. Two, I'm su super excited about what's going for, what's happening going forward. Um, but three, here's what I'm hearing. I'm just trying to look out for myself, for my family, for my future. Um, and for my students and be able to like navigate that. So I'm just wondering, what are the odds? Like, what do I need to know? And I think that it's that like, don't, don't make their decision-making. Don't make where they are on a plat on some sort of pedestal that you're not allowed to go and ask those sorts of questions. I think it's very, it's, it's just, just as easy to just go and ask like, Hey, look, what's going on. And I've done that in years past where I just talked about my income. It turns out like when my school initially started, they only expected teachers to stay about five years because it's hard work. So there's a number of us that have been there for over a decade. And now with that income increase, we're at a place where I like people have gotten let go before because they make too much money. And I'm like, do I, what's going to happen now? Like, you know, cause you know, the funny thing is in the grand scheme of things, I don't make too much money, but as a teacher, it's like, Oh, you make that you should, what are you complaining about anything for? And it's like, cause I'm, I'm a grown up. I have kids and a dog with allergies. Mm -hmm. That's why. Uh, we're out of questions. Um, so let's, can we ask that question from the Facebook group from the other day? I want to go over this before we're done. Um, Cause I think it was really important. I screenshotted it. Um, yeah, well, don't use a name. No, I'm not going to use a name. So here's what we're going to do um, every week. So we have a Facebook group. If you don't know about it, can you take that question down so I can put this up, buddy? Um, that is called Real Rapid Vinyl Teacher Talk uh, Community on Facebook. And so one of the things that people do on there is it's a safe space for educators to get answers about things. And it's a really, it's like 95% like really awesome, positive people. Every once in a while, some static, but that's life, man. Um, and I think that you're only successful as as far as you're willing to make difficult, like, like you're entering into difficult conversations, right? Um, so like if you want to be really successful, in your marriage, you have to learn how to navigate and have difficult conversations. If you want to be really tight with your kids, 
you have to be willing to have difficult conversations and to work through them. So someone asked the other day, and I'm not going to use anyone's name if I pull your question from Real Rapid Reynolds uh, teacher talk, but like, um, I just think that this is this. Sometimes I see stuff in there and I'm like, man, I wish I could, like, I know more people have a problem with this and I want to be able to do it. So the question is, um, there were a number of pictures and it says, these pictures are from several days uh, this week. My students have decided that throwing food, they, they would throw food behind my back. I don't know who's doing this. No one is snitching and they all think it's funny. They've also decided that they like to trash my room. And so then there were pictures of like Walmart bags torn to shreds and stuff like that that were scattered all over my floor. Also, this is being done behind my back. I'm so done with this. I'm not sure what to do. And I don't know who the culprit is or how to stop it or if I uh, didn't see them do it. I constantly walk around my classroom. Um, so I have my back to them uh, when there's no particular place in the room that's happening. It seems to be happening everywhere if I'm not. It's also many class. It's also multiple class periods throughout the day. Um, I'm at my wit's end. So I think, what would I do with this question? Is like I've had students before. Just they, like kids are my. A lot of my students are just slobs, right? They like, just like leave stuff all over the place. They're just like not thoughtful. But also, look, I'm going to use this. Like my my own children are slobbish sometimes, right? Like they like leave their shoes oh, over. Sometimes the... they are. All right, so slobbish. they're basically like my son, like will eat <laughs> apples and like leave apple cores laying around or like they leave their glasses, their shoes. Brody's friend came over yesterday. <clears throat> there are ninja weapons everywhere in my house, just all over the place. And, and even when you ask them to clean it up, they go like this. I did clean up everything. Dude, there's three, three like ninja stars on the floor over there. Like, Oh, Oh, um, your shoes are still there. There's a sock. There's a sock. Like, in the dog bed. Like, I'm even sure what's going on over there. Like, can you take care of the, oh, oh, I didn't even get that. I think sometimes it is kids just being sloppy. I'm not saying that's what's happening in this situation, but it is helping students to figure out, like, like, like when I talk to kids about our room, I'll just stop and say, listen, this isn't happening anymore. Every day before we leave, if there's trash on the floor, we're not leaving until it's done. And if, and even if it's not yours, I'm just asking you for you to hook it up, man. Um, and, and take care of it because otherwise I got to pick it up and I didn't put it there either. But what we're trying to do here is create a space for our community to come in to feel good, not to feel like they're walking into a junkyard. Right. So that's one, two, you're throwing food in my class, bro. There's a hundred percent chance that this is not going to happen. And if I catch you, we're going to have an issue. And if you're watching it happen, then you're being part of the problem, not part of the solution that I try to create a classroom for you all. That's beautiful. That feels warm and welcoming when you come in. And if your response to that is to just disrespect me behind my back, it's not going to happen. Um, I, I do not know if this is legal. So I would look it up. I have before set my phone up on a bookshelf and recorded things when my back is turned, when I step out with a kid, when something's going on. Um, and then you just record it. Then you pause it later, you scrub through it, and you see who the culprit was. Who did it? Bro, I caught you. This is what you were doing. And then you either talk to that student and give them a chance, or you talk to somebody else in administration that's going to help you navigate that situation too. The, the biggest problem with this, right, it's not just the level of disrespect. And I know you're feeling that, right? It, but it is also tied into it is disrupting learning in the classroom, right? So if the school doesn't like it, like, they won't always push back. Schools won't always push back on student behavior because they don't want to deal with it or they think that you should have this under control or this is because of you that this is happening. 
And in some cases, maybe that there, there's a there's an element of truth to that. But if you can spin it to like, look, we're not learning because we're doing this, or this is distracting other students from doing work. So this isn't just about you, Tim, throwing something or throwing a Pop-Tart across my classroom. It's the fact that you distracted five other kids and that kids don't feel safe in my classroom now. That's why you can't be in here. That's why this can't happen. That's why we need to rectify this. So it's sort of a both and there. But, you know, I, I just know what that feeling is like when kids are kind of doing things behind your back. Um, and I'll know I've not had that particular situation happen in my life. Um, I just, it's, it, it's, it's a feeling that like, um, you're, you're trying to give your all trying to show up and care and then it's not being accepted. Uh, so it's like putting, putting an end to that. Uh, <clears throat> and chances are you're not the only class. Chances are you're not the only teacher that this happened to like students have done this before and this is like what they do. Um, but I'm not against last two minutes of class. You all need everything cleaned up on the floor. We're not leaving like a hundred percent. This is what I mean. And I'll hold the next class before they come in here. And I won't write anyone a late pass because we're working as a community right now. Um, and I get that there's some students in there that didn't do it, but I think that holding everyone back and letting them know that I'm not punishing everyone for the, for the, for the faults of a few, but what we're doing is acting as a community. And I get the no snitching thing. And I, I, I understand that like at its most base level, but it's like, how can we, how are we moving forward if this is if this is the case? So we need to work together as a community to rectify this, to figure it out, and then you know put an end to it. So I like the no snitching, but I like taking it and turning it into like, great. You don't want to snitch, then everybody's responsible because it's the community. It's our yeah. But I think together. there's there's a historical connection to the whole idea of like no snitching, and and so I just that's a whole nother thing to unpack. Mm. I'm just noting that like I get. The historical implications of that, where it came from, how it plays a place in our society now. But I like how that it, it it kind of benefits the. It's not about finding out who did it. Yeah. Like that's not really the problem. It's like just rectifying. It's. I think it's noting like you guys think that this is just fun or that's just right. silly or that's not a big deal. But let me break it down for you. Like, yeah. but my room, it like is an expression. So I once had a student. That not in my class, in another class, got mad at something. He had a pop, two pop tarts in his hand, and beat them on the end of a desk, and they exploded <gasps> everywhere. And Joe comes over to me. Joe Young comes over to me and goes, "Yo, Reynolds, you cannot go in your room right now. I'll take care of it, bro." What? What do you mean? Do not go in your room. Well, now I'm going to my room. I go in there. There's friggin' pop tart everywhere. I wanted to like lose my mind on this guy. And instead, it was like, here's what you don't understand. Is that, yes, I'm upset. Yes, I'm upset that this made a mess. But I'm also upset because you're not going to clean it on the level that I'm going to clean it. You're not going to take care of it on the level that I'm going to take care of. You're not looking at my room as an expression of care or love or something that, like, I've prepared this place for you to be in. And this is a dude that hung in my room all the time after school and, and chilled. But it's like, now you're going to, you're doing this? Like, this is like, it's like I gave you a balloon and you popped it. And it's like, no, I, let me break it down for you. Like, I saved my money. I went and bought the balloon. I picked out the right one I thought you were really going to like. And then I brought it to you and you were just like, nah, and you just let it go or you popped it. And it's like, what? Like, it's it's that level of like, I don't think it. kids understand all the time. Like, oh, snap. I didn't think about it like that. Um, mm -hmm. And that can change things. And, you know, 
but it takes having difficult conversations. So John Lopez said, do they still make those glasses in which you see what is going on behind your back? They do. There is an information five below. There you go. So that's a good that's a good move. My man Lopez. Most interesting good man idea. in the world. Um cool. Gang, that's it. We're done for the week. Um so we are on for about five more weeks, then we'll take a break um and come back with a new season of this. Uh that's it. If you have uh if you need anything, let us know. If you're looking for speakers, if your school's looking for a book, you can get the, the oh, that side. Uh the book is available. Um, schools are reading it this summer. You can get a bulk deal if you're interested in it. And if your school has speakers, look, I know there's a lot of classes that are using my videos anyway. If you want me to come speak, just hit us up at realrapwithreynolds.com. Um, and my buddy Edie will navigate all of that for you and give you like, let you know how we can make that happen. Um, cause I know a lot of places are opening up in times of COVID. So, uh, like as, as people are getting vaccinated and all that stuff too. Yeah. And your boy's vaccinated. So just saying. There you go. That's Check. it. We'll see you next week. Piece. Not that was not a skillful transition right there. It was, it was not. What are you doing? It was not. We'll just go right to this. Ready?